Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode. And you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowrest, $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash lowrest. Enjoy the show. I think that would be a, a good transition to get into its delayed sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which really doesn't show as much of the rural elements. Uh, it's very, I think, mindful of the decade that it exists in from the from the opening scene where you have those like guys fucking around in the car, partying, listening to the radio. Uh, and it looks like they're straight out of the movie Night of the Comet, not like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Chainsaw Massacre 2. The buzz is back. Directed by Toby Hooper. Well, it, it immediately um, <clears throat> makes you hate them. So you want them to die right at the beginning of the movie uh, because of how annoying they are. So I think it sets the tone to the rest of the movie where it's not it's not very serious uh, and uh, or not serious at all. <laughs> at all. Uh, and uh, it also sets up how violent it ends up being. Um one of my favorite things about this thing was uh, Bill Most. How do you pronounce his last name? Mosley. Yeah, uh, because I saw this after uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. I didn't even know that this existed when I saw House of a Thousand Corpses, and his performance here is such a cartoon character. Like he's such a uh, tales from the crypt character that I love it. Like he's so great in this with his metal plate and the. He's the, the best he's character, dis- definitely. His disgusting mouth. Uh, that uh, just everything about the character is so great, and how he has that that um, relationship with Leatherface, where it's like he's like the mouth, kind of of the the two, uh, or, or the the way they interact with each other. He's great in it. Yeah, right. It's very it's very uh, of mice and men between the two of them. Um, yeah, he might be my favorite character, uh, like of the family of any of the films that they wound up releasing. Uh, and, you know, you do get him in place of, what was the name of the hitchhiker from the original film? Right, Nubbins. Nubbins. Uh, so obviously, you know, I, I, he's doing his own thing with that character. Although there feels like there might be a similar DNA there uh, in spite of that, even though he does take such a big cartoonish and overt, uh, overtly uh, two-dimensional turn 
with the Chop Top character. It could have been interesting to see what came of that lost 90s film that was shot on VHS that was all about like Chop's, Chop Top's backstory that Toby Hooper's son, I guess, shot. Uh, and they were talking about remastering it and putting it out somewhat recently. But uh, to this day, nobody nobody knows what the status of that is or, or will be. That's another like prime property that somebody like shutter could scoop up and just be like hey like we we found another thing there you go like i think subscribe. the the problem is that the texas chainsaw massacre name is owned by whoever has it now it might be like dish network owns it because they put out the leatherface film with steven dorf uh i know there's a there's a, a sequel or remake coming out this year that uh has fede alvarez producing it yeah yeah. yeah, and I've responded cautiously, optimistically to it. I know Hans was like, yeah, who is he? Like, he sucks. <laughs> he, he, yeah. but I don't think he sucks. I just think he's not a name. Yet. He's not. I, you don't put so. his name in front of something and say presents. No. He hasn't earned that no. yet. No, no, he hasn't earned that, but he's got he's got good credits so far. And I, I want to see one more good one because there hasn't been a, like a, an actually – really good texas chainsaw film at least since the one they did with arlie ermy back in 03 so that's already been like 20 years and at this at this rate i don't mind if they make like you know one more and if they're, they're they're trying to swear oh we're doing it we're doing it the old way we're using old lenses and whatever and i'll i will give it a shot just on principle so cautiously optimistic on that one um, they've been pretty vague other than the fact that i think it I think they're picking up right after the first movie or something like that. Or um, so that might be logistically complicated too, but I'll go back to um, Texas Chainsaw two first, And then maybe we can muse on that more. Yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw two is like the perfect to me, 80s sequel. It, it, it's, 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 it's a hell of a movie. It's a really fun time. It, probably one of Dennis Hopper's like most, fun energetic performances that he put in i wouldn't say on the latter half but in that middle stretch of his career and then he goes on to say i was like about to say eight i was gonna later, say like Exorcist which which was another defining like, kind Cecil of beat the mill energetic it, almost wacky performance but th this one i think takes the cake um, it's it definitely i think is part of the night you know his career is so funny as an actor where in the late 60s and 70s He's kind of like the hippie drug guy or whatever. Prior to that, he's, you know, fresh-faced young man popping up in James Dean Sorry, films. Sorry, are, we, are um, we talking about Dennis Hooper? Ho yeah. Hopper. Okay, Hopper. Sorry. I just got I got distracted looking for information about the new Leatherface. But, yeah, I wanted to mention him. Go on. Sorry. I just uh, 1980s, he, he gets into <clears> – I mean, he's been blacklisted around this time, right? He doesn't come back to the industry until Blue Velvet, really. So he's acting in indie films. I think this was a canon film. Correct me if I'm wrong there. So they're doing so. their own thing. There's a couple of Israeli investors who decide to start their own movie company, and they're crazy with it, and the type of things that they greenlight. Uh, you know, canon's probably best known for – over-the-top action films and horror movies, but they also did produce uh, films like John Cassavetti's Love Streams, which does not feel like a canon film at all. Um, they would do those one-offs there. 
Dennis Hopper's career in the 1980s is full of weirdos, just weird guys. <laughs> I think this is no exception. He's a good weird guy in this one. Yeah. And we, like the twist or whatever with his character is that he's Franklin's brother avenging his death, which I think is great. A nice little tie back to that original film. Um, Do you see parallels between his character and the character from Blue Velvet? Because I, a lot. I really? felt like that a lot. Yeah. You thought he was Frank just his Bluefish? Per- Maybe his he... performance was so nuts. I, I liked it a lot. He, that, that shot of him with both chainsaws when he starts tearing down the thing, that was hilarious. Like, I, I love that. Uh, but I felt like he was very over the top, like very exaggerated when he goes nuts. That reminded me a lot of, of his performance in Blue Velvet. Yeah, I can definitely see shades of that. For me, you know, uh, where I see Frank Booth most is probably uh, Out of the Blue, his 1980 or 81 film, because he, like, does the same mannerisms and he's sniffing panties and doing just weird stuff. (laughs) Um, But uh, I would say River's Edge is also probably closer to that, uh, where he's in love with the blow-up doll. He plays Feck. Um, And then by the time you get to the 90s where he's in Super Mario Brothers as King Koopa, President Koopa, Mm -hmm. And uh, he's in Speed. Hell yeah. He goes from crazy, weird guy in the 80s to over-the-top evil villain in Waterworld and all these films in the 90s. And then it just kind of peters out. Then, then when you dies. get to... Well, yeah. Yeah. You do, well, he, you get Land of the Dead. You get Land of the Dead where he's like a slimy Donald Trump kind of character. And then he just decides to take a break because of cancer. And then, yeah, it's just very ugly after that. But, <laughs> but posthumously... He's had happened? some interesting films lately. You know, he's worked with Orson Welles recently. In two films. He, Other Side of the Wind came out in 20, <laughs> 2018 or 2019. 18. Yeah. And uh, he also had a documentary release where it was just audio of him and Orson Welles spitballing back and forth. Essentially a podcast that was, uh, uh, you know, they used that to create a documentary. And that apparently that's very good. I haven't seen that yet. What's I also think called? it's funny that uh, we haven't even mentioned the poster for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's Breakfast is, Club. Yeah, it's they, Breakfast Club. They aped John Hughes' Breakfast Club and uh, put that up on Sunset Boulevard, and it became its own thing. Uh, so right off the bat, you kind of know. If you're a fan of that original, you see that, you know, you're in for something a bit different. Uh, Leatherface is played by a different actor here. Is there any reason, you know, why they didn't, go with Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Hansen, I believe, was still acting at that time. I know he did Mosquito in the 90s. Excellent. Awesome. (laughs) I think (laughs) that, honestly, that's probably a creative choice. Um, Hansen obviously is fantastic playing Leatherface in the original. But I I think it probably has to do with the mannerisms that they wanted this iteration of Leatherface Mm -hmm. to have. So a bit more I think cartoony, maybe a tad more agile because yeah. uh, Hanson's uh, fairly hefty in the original film and very, very brutish yeah, and kind massive. of and kind of slow and retarded. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, I think, yeah, I, I think it's 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 all a matter of like a completely different tonal movie. So everything's got to change, all like from top to you, bottom. You can't really have a menacing giant man that's not at least a little bit goofy and have those scenes with that woman when he's like helping her or or not really helping her but he's at least not killing her 
Uh, I don't think that would have worked as well if the Leatherface from the first movie would have been the one that did it because he was so much scarier. Even the mask is different, I think. Yeah, it is. Or, or maybe it's just me, but the mask is not as scary as the first one. So when you see this one, of course, it's still a fucking face that, that is ripped off or whatever, but he doesn't feel as menacing. Uh, he feels much goofier than in the original one where well, he's, very uh, he's hidden so well. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> that yeah. too, yeah. But in the first one, they hide him so well that whenever he pops up, it's like, holy shit, look at this gigantic mass of a man, you know? And in this movie, uh, that physicality is not needed because of how goofy it is. So I guess it makes sense that they will get someone, yeah, smaller and more agile to to play that character. Yeah. And what do you it, think? What, what do you think, Jake, of the camera movement or the camera work in this? Because I I love what they did with uh with the compound that they had. Uh, they did some Evil Dead ish uh, takes too, where the camera would just travel with them. Uh, I love that, and, and just the, the the mass of uh, their whole. I mean. Uh, I guess it's like their their lair, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. How big that was, and and the way that it was shown with a camera, I think it worked really well in this. Uh, and uh, even though everything happens there, pretty much, uh, it felt bigger than than the original one that also has very limited locations. No, me. totally. I, th- I think it just has to do with that like that zaniness that they were trying to bring into this one the f- again from like top to bottom. Whereas in the first one, it's in our opinion maybe maybe just Franklin. <laughs> right. that's that kind of that that kind of goofiness and silliness and the, everything else is just so harshly neorealistic and right. yeah this, I, I mean it's it's i ugh, i hate to come on and just wax about movies that i like and just be like oh yeah it's a hearty it's so great and it's like listen okay let, let let's let's clear the air here for everybody this is a stupid silly yeah. dumb movie but brilliantly so. But if you don't like stupid, silly, dumb movies, you're not gonna like this one. It's yeah. It, but it is a good movie because because it knows it's stupid, silly, and dumb, and it, and it brings it to an art form. And like you're saying, Hans, with the extent of um, kind of the elaborate nature of some of the shots, or even some of the set design, and some of the set pieces, and 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 then character design with somebody like. Chop top, yeah, it, it's absolutely absurdist, but in the best possible way. So, oh yeah, I love it. I, I think I think it's perfect. Uh, the only reservation I have, like I said, is um, Hooper should have, I, I think, again, kept somebody like Daniel Pearl close, hmm. probably after he made that movie, um, because, again, uh, stylist uh, stylistically, I think it would have helped him to have somebody in his corner like that. Um, and then uh, Kim Henkel, who co-wrote the first film and co-produced it with Toby Hooper, went back to that approach, that Daniel Pearl-style approach for uh, Texas Chainsaw Next Generation. And I think it translates fantastically. But, uh, yeah, to go back to the second film, I think that's the only option you have when you when you make a movie like the original. It's, okay, well, we could kind of do it again, Um but how what would be the purpose i I was saying this about um i was on uh the loud boys like patreon podcast talking about Zack snyder's filmography and it came up that they're gonna do a sequel to joker that they started writing the the script to that and todd phillips Mm -hmm. notoriously repeats every single i mean you watch those hangover films it's the same movie 
I mean, the second time, it's certainly the same movie. But the third time, it's a bit different. It's a little darker. You can tell he doesn't want to do comedy anymore. So he's trying I'm something sorry. else. Can I just interrupt one second? That's not what the podcast is called, though. It's not It's not called The Loud Boys Page. I don't know podcast. what the title of the podcast. The podcast title has changed three times. It's a side right. podcast. It's on The Loud Boys Patreon. And, and uh, it's hosted by Robbie. And I'm on there. Yeah. And Nick Oldershaw from Coward Hour is on there. But yeah. here's what I was saying. What's the last name? The latest name for the show? Uh, I think it's Robbie Wood. Adventures in Robbie Wood. Okay. He's going to change that shit. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what I was saying was for something like Joker, you should do what Toby Hooper did with Texas Chainsaw 2. Or do what oh. um, was done with never. Exorcist Oof. 2. And do something completely wild. It's nothing at all like that original film. Uh, make it a musical, maybe. I don't know. Try something that's not going to feel like that first Joker movie. You don't have Brave Studios and brave enough to do that, though. Because you know what, they, what they're going to do with the sequel is just going to make the same movie again. Just slightly different, but it's the same thing uh, because that's what worked. So because that worked, then let's just do the same thing again because people liked it. I don't think maybe, but everything. DC... Hey, everything that they've gotten from critical response, from fan response, and from money says lean into whatever is not part of the playbook, and that's been the success of Joker. That's been the success of Justice League. If if it were me, like in the in the boardroom for this, and they're like, oh, what do we do? I'd say for Joker, I'd say uh, kind of to your idea, Lorez, of like a musical, but I'd say no, play like. Make it almost like a, almost like a Tim Burton dark fantasy comedy inside the Joker's head, but just just not like wild and crazy, you know, loopy set design necessarily, but but have it be a little bit more lighthearted in like a melancholy way, and yeah, like Corella, like a Corella type of thing. <laughs> We're gonna forget that you just brought that up. Isn't that just Joker, but a woman? The Joker that's what I've read. The hero. <laughs> they just made the Joker a woman, Corella, and that's it. Yeah. But yeah, I think um Hooper is one of the few that I think understood that when you when you have a movie so harsh and irrealistic and almost morose as that first Texas chainsaw, if you're gonna do something again, it's like, well, okay, what what story can you tell if if you tell it the same way? It, how if did you this look do at the, at the box office? Sorry to interrupt you, Hans. It's okay. Let me check that. Uh, what were you going to say how, in the meantime? Uh, what do you What do you think of the sequels to the other franchises over at that time that are compared to Texas Chainsaw? Uh, because maybe I mean I, I don't know about timelines, but uh, I don't know if all of them were successful. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth is definitely better than the first one because Jason is actually in it. Uh, but I don't know about the rest. I don't know if the the sequel improves on the on the original one by doing the same thing. Not really. I mean, all those franchises were a lot fresher at the time than Texas Chainsaw Massacre was. That had kind of been in storage for at least ten years, right? So yeah, when 12, they decided yeah, to years, yeah. yeah, when they decided to whip that out, it was kind of like terraforming it uh, or the property rather. For that environment where I think around that time you did have the jokey Freddy Krueger movies, uh, the Friday the 13th mm. films were starting to get campier. 
and, and it yeah, feels that was like when Jason Lives came out, and that, oh, that's okay, when it then perfect. To, that's, that's when like, it took the turn after yeah. um, New Beginning. That's maybe the the ideal example of that. So it feels like it fits within that environment of all right. We got horror, we got slasher films. We know what these are now. Let's start interjecting humor into them and make it a, a lighter fare. Uh, it made eight million in the box office with a four point five million budget. Uh, the second you, one that in, is, yeah. yeah. What's behind you, Lorenz? Oh, I'm watching. Is the that news. Tim Dillon? No, this is MSNBC. Oh right, I just see like a. Oh yeah, it's Tim Dillon. Okay. That's Chris Matthews. A woman. Hardball. Yeah. Good uh, Catholic. <laughs> what are you saying? Made money? I didn't didn't do, make money. It I made didn't t- double the, the budget. Yeah, it made double the budget. Yeah, pretty much. Damn, eight million at the box office. Everybody, everybody on that crew could live off that forever. Well, that, that's of the uh, sequel, not the original. Yeah, the yep, second right? one, yeah. yeah. Were you referring to the original film? Nah. Yeah, that was made for like, Hans can probably pull that up. I think it was made, yeah. it was made for like sixty-five or 80000 and It says 140000 It's budget? Uh, yeah, oh, and okay. it made $30 million the box office. Oh, my yeah. God. That's, that's yeah. a monster hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, that's not even accounting for like home video sales once that became available. So it's like, yeah, that, that's... Well, the movie has become bigger since, what, since the yeah, 70s, Yeah, now hold right? on a second. The $30 million is probably from them bringing it back out around Halloween, 15-year anniversary, 25-year anniversary. See. That all goes into the, the box office. Um, Maybe, but gross. it's not going to accumulate that much. It, it, I, I would estimate probably 60, 60 to 75% of that was upon the initial circuit back in the seventies, probably for about a year's time when they were floating it out, because I think it was massively successful, uh, not only in the States, but in, um, in a number of foreign countries, uh, it did get banned in a few countries. I do know that, but I, I also think, uh, yeah. They also kept films in theaters much longer in the 1970s, you know, less films were being made by studios and it wasn't unusual that a film, even of that size, would be in the theaters for up to four months and uh, be successful, be number one, uh, or in the I mean, top let's, ten. Let's, let's take this into account. Uh, just before that, um, even a far cry from Texas Chainsaw, but a great, great cult film nonetheless. 1972, The Legend of Boggy Creek was one of the top grossing films in the United States in, in 1972. I think it was a, I think it was a top five or top ten, grossing movie, and probably made about twelve to fifteen million dollars that year. So, and that's something that Texas Chainsaw Massacre d- definitely had more name recognition, more shock value, and more incentive to see. I think just on the idea of how brutal was it going to go. When, ironically, yeah, it, it is. A harsh kind of brutal movie but not to the extent that people thought it was going to be no blood no reveal of any of the mutilation is the second like film that. especially gory because off the top of my head i'm I, you know aside from the, yeah. the one radio host who they what they skin him right so he's he looks kind of gross i don't know if there's a whole lot of blood and gore in texas chainsaw massacre 2 yeah there's a bit i believe if i remember it's a lot more violent than you remember yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember just thinking, oh, Jesus, this is gruesome. <laughs> like I was expecting something goofy and there's a lot of blood in this. Yeah. I, well, I made a note We of know that, that actually, the, yeah. the, the young men at the beginning die. The radio show board op winds up getting killed. Uh, and then there's the explosion at the end, right? The uh, the very abrupt kind of nihilistic ending, and yeah. All right, I'm fact checking myself right now. Um, Legend of Boggy Creek, 1972, was made for a hundred thousand dollars, and it made twenty five million dollars, which that's unprecedented. Yeah. That's over a hundred million dollars today. That, that's a, well, that's that's what it says over here that the theatrical performance of Texas Chainsaw was 26 million and a half and then Blu-ray and domestic video sales were a couple of extra million on top of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's remarkable returns. It, that's an anecdote I kind of use today whenever we talk about kind of low budget or super indie movies. When when you do the math out and you you adjust for inflation, it's it's unprecedented what some of these movies were able to accomplish with essentially no money and just a just a much more i think less corporatized decentralized market it's it's unbelievable what these movies were able to do in terms of essentially grossing what what would be a hundred plus million dollar gross in today's money i think it's kind of interesting that the sequel only made double its budget back which i i mean Four to eight million. It's kind of difficult to register whether or not that would be considered a real success because, again, you don't factor in the marketing budget typically mm-hmm. uh, when you think about that. So you're talking about a return of maybe about three million or so. Uh, they still decided to go ahead and do Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, in I believe it was 1990 with uh, Ken Forey and Vigo Mortensen. New Line had picked it up around that time. Uh, the same time that they had a choir Jason after Jason takes Manhattan was uh, underwhelming in its performance for Paramount. Kind of, kind of an interesting turn that they seem to be wanting to, uh, you know, absorb the the slasher market right on its way out uh, and pull the trigger on that. And then it wound up at another studio for, what was it? Uh, the Next Generation it wound up at, I think, Sony TriStar around that time. Yeah, I think so. And it played at, I think it played at Con, and it got a great response. But then release <laughs> issues came out. Wait, hold, hold on. The Next Generation played at the Cannes Film Festival? It, it, it played at a pretty reputable festival or two, and it got pretty solid reviews. But I, I forget the story of what happened, but something with Again, Kim Hankel, who was the uh, writer-director on this one and on the original film, uh, wrote it with Hooper, went through a lot of hurdles on distribution for whatever reason. And so it never got a proper release, I think. And and just had to kind of mosey along into the video market. I think, just to go back to your point about the, the how much money is made, uh, it's really interesting to see that... God damn it. <clears throat> To see that, um, my throat is really fucking dry. Uh, to see that uh, a movie that didn't really, uh, because when I think of, of recent examples of movies that cost nothing that made a lot of money, I think of uh, Blair Witch. I think of uh, Paranormal Activity. Uh, uh, but those two movies, 
have like a very specific um uh what can you um gimmick i guess yeah where it, it was something that has never been done before or seen that way so blair witch had all that marketing behind it and it was also point of view uh which you have not really seen that much at the time the full movie and then it ends with like a weird cliffhanger that we don't know what happened so the whole lore behind it i think that impulsed the movie more than even though I do enjoy it, I don't think it's that great, you know, of a movie. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that marketing had to do a lot with that. And then with Paranormal Activity, it was a lot of word to mouth. But it was also the type of technology that was being used, right? Which was just recorded in my own house. And like this tiny whatever could happen to anyone type of thing. So when you look at something like this, a chance that it's using the technology that's available at the time. Uh, it doesn't really uh, bring anything... I don't want to say new because I don't know about the the the, the themes that it explores there. I don't know how, how much they were explored in movies previously, but it doesn't depend of a gimmick to make that much money. And I think if you think of examples from recent movies that have made a lot of money that have cost nothing, that's one of the main things or the main reasons why they made that much money. Yeah, yeah. Via a gimmick and not just actual... Yeah kind of authentic buzz or word of mouth or anything like that which maybe something like the legend of boggy creek does have the gimmick with the whole uh, bigfoot craze that was going on back in the early 70s in in films and whatnot but i don't know i i I still think that's a pretty pretty authentic genuine effort that is maybe now it's an anomaly i've I've never seen it but is it is it shot like a regular movie oh yeah (laughs) You know, it's it, it shot like uh, it's. I mean, I, I love the movie. It, it's shot in a really fun way. It, it's pretty typical seventies. Um, just right. shot it shot on sixteen. It's not like Panavision because it was only a hundred thousand dollar movie. But it's it's very typical of the times in in a lot of ways. It's 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 not exactly amateurish, is what I'm trying to say, and just professional enough that. And, and this is kind of the case for Texas Chainsaw, but maybe to a more disciplined degree because Toby Hooper was an industrial filmmaker at the time making documentaries for companies and what whatnot out in Texas. But with things like uh, Boggy Creek, it's, it was professionally made just at a slightly lower level. And it, it's, it's you know, I, I always make parallels between the kind of stuff that happened back then and now and, and, and how we got where we are now. But it does, it's fascinating to see that these movies that, that cost pennies, that are slightly amateurish, garner from word of mouth. And, and I don't know, it's just, um, I, it, it just it never ceases to amaze me when I, when I look back at and crunch the numbers and just think of like, well, what, what safe or safeguards, so to speak, are being put up to where that, that almost seems impossible now. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, we're just talking about the gimmicks, that at no point they thought to do a found footage style Texas Chainsaw or really any of the classic slashers aside from, um, you know, you could count Diary of the Dead, I guess. Uh, But that was really Ramiro wanting to mess around with that medium and he didn't even really commit to it. You know, you could easily do this movie in a found footage style manner. And they were making the films around that time. You had uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning around 2006 i want to say and mm-hmm. uh the 3d one came out in what 2012 
So yeah, yeah, you know they were still actively producing these films, and you know the fact that if you think back to that first one, you could very easily take uh, some of the the uh, you know the hallmarks of that and apply that to a found footage template. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly easier than somebody like you know, Jason Voorhees or uh, you know Hellraiser or somebody like that. Well, he shows you a lot of point of view shots, too. You know, the way yeah. that he presents the family in the house is very much like we are the dumb teenagers that ended up there. So that would I think that would work. But didn't um, Resident Evil uh, put out a game recently where it's like a redneck family and you wake up and you're in, in the house of a scary redneck family and it's point of view, I think. I haven't uh, I haven't I'm, followed Resident Evil at all, but I do know that they, uh, you know, there's the POV one Resident Evil Survivor from like 2001 or 2002. But they decided to diverge on the whole zombie thing and do like it's a creepy town. It's like uh, yeah. the Wicker Man and they have the Jason surrogate with the bag over his head uh, for Resident Evil 4. And that was maybe like 10 years ago now. So they it was I, in know, Spain, when, right? I think. Yeah, it was somewhere. Yeah, it, it, was his, it was somewhere in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, wouldn't surprise me if they had drawn from Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something of of that like. Um, have you guys heard about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I, I, maybe I'm confused about this. I was trying to find Texas Chainsaw Massacre on YouTube, and they sent me, like, gameplay footage of an unused uh, – you know, somebody had made a game for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it never came out. It was, like, a year-old video. You guys know anything about this? Uh, I only know about the one that uh, James Rolfe did. In his angry video game nerd series. Oh my uh, the god, the Atari one? one? That's yeah, the Atari game. atrocious. All those yeah. slasher games are awful, except for no, they're all bad. But I think the Friday the Thirteenth one has its charm just because of like purple jumpsuit Jason. Uh, yeah. The Nightmare on Elm Street one is probably the most playable. That yeah. Friday the Thirteenth one is the worst game I've played. It's it's so uh, it's, fucking. It's, it's like it's terrible but hypnotic to play. It just kind of like puts well, it's because of the, the iconography. It's it's kind of cool to see it in eight bit. So you're kind of like, oh, that's oh, I recognize that. But the game is so fucking frustrating to play. Just yeah, like the, most fucking NES games, really. Oh yeah, All yeah, nine hundred of them. And then yeah, yeah that, that one from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is actually yeah, like Larissa, the most playable. I, borders I on good that, at times, and that it does is mm-hmm. uh, the, some pretty tacky stuff in it. The best representation of those characters, I think, has been in Mortal Kombat recently. Uh, Leatherface was in it, I think. Jason, if I'm not mistaken. But then there's also a a Friday the 13th game where you play as Jason and you you play online with other people and you're either Jason or one of the survivors and you have to either chase him or run away from him. And I think that Leatherface was also introduced as a character there. Oh, uh, really? So right, so that that maybe it was like games. a skin or something that got recommended maybe from that, it was that game. Because yeah. it seemed like you were playing as Leatherface, and that would make sense otherwise, unless it was a situation like the, the Friday the 13th game, which uh, I always wanted a game like that when I was younger, where you're just surviving for a period of time. I would have gotten a real kick out of that game. Have you guys played it at all? I, I haven't had any any uh, gameplay experience with it. No, I've only which seen one? people play uh, it. The Friday the 13th uh, game. I think it got released for oh. Xbox as well as PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there is a... It's not uh, first person, though. No, no, no. But yeah. there's a there's a Leatherface skin for it. Uh, I've never played it. It looks fun if you like that type of thing. You know, that kind of online game where you're just chasing other people. Uh, but I've never... I don't know. I've never played it. 
but that's probably what you saw, yeah. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Uh, what do you guys prefer out of these two films? Do you have a favorite between Texas Chainsaw 1 and 2? Oof. Well, the it's, first it's, one, uh, you can't it, really compare them. <laughs> it's 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 got to be the first one for me. It, it just, I think it checks off so many boxes in terms of it, its filmmaking, it, it's uh, it's outdoor aesthetic, the, the kind of psychedelic appeal to it with a lot of the shots and whatnot and the imagery. I think what it represents culturally, it just, it's, uh, I mean, like Joe Bob Briggs says, it's uh, the greatest movie ever made, uh, at least in Texas. So um, <laughs> the second one's fantastic too, but I, I just kind of like the um, the voyeuristic appeal and the completely isolated feeling of the first film. He got cut out of the second one. Did you guys see that clip that was put online recently, a deleted scene? Uh, yeah, he, where... he's a movie critic. Yeah, he's he's you know apparently the, oh. uh, Toby Hooper was just like yeah just just write down something to say and we'll we'll shoot you getting killed and then it didn't make it into the movie I guess that that was released as like a special feature on some early DVD I don't know was it like uh, a DJ or something uh, Jake just said he played a movie critic in the he, in he, the play, he plays a movie critic yeah in, but I but on the radio station or just just uh, and another location that we don't see. I'm not okay. sure. I think it. I think it was at the radio station. It looked like it was that uh, environment, but I haven't seen the clip. I've only I've only seen what was posted quickly to to Twitter, and that's about it. I think the first one is still even even when you rewatch something like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth. I don't think any of those. Maybe Halloween. Uh, is the only other one of that those times that really hold up well now where where it doesn't have any any jarring things that kind of date it uh i think the fact that it's so contained into this very remote part of of town helps with that with with uh not being um or doesn't have anything that that dates it or, or makes it feel like it's old or it couldn't happen now uh and uh, when you watch something like Nightmare on Elm Street, there's some things that are kind of very cheesy, very 80s of the time. And I, I, th I feel like this one and Halloween are uh, the only two from, from at least that era uh, that I can think of, at least from the top of my head, uh, where uh, if you were to watch them now, you don't really lose that much from the experience uh, from your first watch, I guess, because they're so well done and... Uh, and uh, I, I don't I don't think it's comparable to the second one, but the first one is one of my favorite movies too. So I, I'll definitely say that one, the first one. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, where would you guys take the franchise from here? Because it seems like this Texas Chainsaw Massacre film that's coming out that Fede Alvarez is doing is trying to do the same thing that they already did once before. Which is oh we're gonna you know, we're gonna tap into our roots we're gonna go back to that first movie try and capture the vibe or we're gonna continue that story and offer a new timeline that feels right at home with this original uh, and they always failed to do that I remember they were trying to spin that Texas Chainsaw 3D as oh yeah it's a sequel to the original one we're gonna pick oh, up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what does she say? What is, what is Alexandra Daddario? Uh, what's her mm. name? With her huge melons? You know, <laughs> yeah. what'd she say? Do your thang cuz. Uh, yeah, that's uh, great. Uh, good I writing. Know. I love good writing in a horror movie, you know? Makes uh, me makes me smile. I don't, um, I, I don't know what 
you can do really um i put kind of ghosts a... in it i think ghosts could be cool <laughs> in the movie yeah the leatherface kids no 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 you're missing the the pièce de resistance the ghost of franklin comes back and he, yeah, he, that's the. He, he's just flying it, around the room, going. It's, <laughs> you hear his squeaky yeah. wheels. Yeah, I don't know. That's how. I don't, I'm not really. Ex- <laughs> I, I'm not really excited about it, just because I, I don't trust Fede Alvarez to have enough of a vision to do something interesting that hasn't been done before with this franchise. Uh, I'm hopeful, just because I like the character of Leatherface a lot and I'm still hoping that there's something interesting but I don't know I uh, nothing modern uh, feels as good as those movies feel so whenever something like this is announced it's kind of like uh, well what I'll would you wa- do though but what, what would you do to try and correct the path and offer something that might be an interesting step in the right direction a series Maybe explore explore the family a little bit more and present them as a loving family that just have this weird habit of killing strangers to feed themselves. So it's more like a like a tonally compared to the second one, uh, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, but it's a it's a series so that we explore their relations and who they are a little bit more and the cannibalism is presented as you know it's a bad thing but it's you know it's just a part of the of them something like that i don't know because like i feel like everything that they've tried to do with leatherface has been slightly different but kind of the same and to me even though i I find new generation that's the mcconaughey one right yeah next generation yeah i find i find that one to be really entertaining but none of them have worked as well as the original one so to me, uh, or, or the original and the first and the second one, sorry. So maybe a change of tone like that uh, is what the franchise needs. I would make exhausted. The, I would make the argument that the remake uh, is one of the few good movies in the series in general that does something that feels similar enough to that original. Uh, the Michael Bay polish on it, I actually think, works quite well, and uh, the fact that they roll out a totally different family from what you're used to where there's uh you know a number of different members and they create new characters that uh sort of um complement the leatherface uh antagonist uh, mm-hmm. i think works extremely well this is a jessica biel one yeah mm-hmm. yeah the ermy one yeah right right I like and then it falls the apart then it falls apart when they do the prequel and they try to explain the backstory and Arlie Army gets yeah. more screen time, but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't function yeah, well. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's just yeah. dead. Maybe it's time to put it to rest, huh? Maybe maybe it's just yeah. I mean there's all no of the other reason ones are, to continue. Only Halloween. Only Halloween is still alive, right? Everything else has been put in the shelf because of the failed attempts. Even though I still think that the Friday the 13th remake is not as bad as people made it out to be, especially when you when you rewatch all the all the all of the series like yeah, this is better than most of them. When we got when we got all the slasher remakes in the aughts, right? The only one I think is genuinely detestable is the Nightmare on Elm Street one. I think that is uh, 
so um, out of step with the spirit of the original movie. I think the Friday the 13th film is actually a fairly good uh, horror film, and it encapsulates the first three movies pretty well. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the best remake, and I actually even yeah. like the, the Rob Zombie Halloween, which I know a lot of people uh, have a distaste mm-hmm. for. I've, I've slightly come around on it, but mm, mm, not as a Halloween movie. As a exactly Rob as a Rob Zombie I, I was, movie. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that I don't like them as a Halloween movie, but no, it's, it's yeah. yeah. That's a that's a whole other video uh, or podcast to to, <laughs> to summarize. So maybe I'll yeah I'll keep those thoughts brief. Halloween, yeah. Well. Uh, I think I think we've run out of things to talk about regarding te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's maybe a little too late now. So, uh, I mean, any closing thoughts on Texas Chainsaw Massacre two? Franklin deserved his revenge. I'm glad he got it. <laughs> <laughs> idiot. Perfect. I mean, it's it's if you, I, I guess you can just describe it as um, uh, Dennis Hopper is wearing a cowboy hat. And uh, he has two chainsaws as he starts destroying a house while cackling. That's the tone of the movie. If you think you would enjoy that, you would love this because that's that's pretty much what you what this movie is like: cackling, Dennis Hopper going nuts with two chainsaws. Although I, I mean, he's not in as much of the movie as a lot of the promotional work would lead you to believe. Like, he, if you have the DVD cover that MGM put out. It's just him standing alone in his cowboy hat on the front cover. Uh, You know, he does have a significant role, but it's not as big as the the protagonist, the uh, the radio show. It's not big. It's just it's just wild. It's just just really wild. That's a good way to put it. All right. All right. That's been that's been movies for this week. Jake, where can people find you? Cinematologist on the Twitch space. The Cinematologist movie reviews on Facebook. And on here, on occasion, and Civic TV, of course. Civic TV, we're doing Saturday Night Live films this Tuesday. Hopefully that's not going to get us clipped, because that's all definitely Paramount NBC. owned. Peacock, yeah. Yeah, you Peacock stream owned. it straight from the Peacock. Yeah. What are you guys going to pick for that? Uh, mm. We'll see. Uh, we What we could do is we could do, kind of change it up a little bit. Not necessarily SNL, but SNL tier movies maybe maybe snl players you know the cast members that fronted their own movies that could work hell uh, yeah let me go look for chris Catan movies yeah oh corky (laughs) romano like classic like uh dickie roberts former child star maybe uh beer league uh artie lange right no that was mad tv oh yeah yeah yeah, that was my tv artie lang and uh (laughs) who from karate kid Key and Peel. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you can do half baked. Yeah, yeah, Jim Brewer. Yeah. That that makes it yeah, because the the selections that we have to choose from, it's it's not great. Like, it's just SNL like Cabin yeah. Boy. Yeah. You know? I don't even no, know. We saw Cabin Boy, Chris Elliott. That's uh, all right. We could do uh Oh yeah, Chris Whatever happened to Chris Elliott? We could he do was so bench, funny. The bench is he dead? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Dead? I think he just lost his hair and retreated. Great small he part of hair. hair. When he, he had hair. hair. He had hair. It was just very light hair. 
just like I have hair. Classic uh, Beverly <laughs> yeah. Hills Ninja, maybe. Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh wow. What about uh, what was the one with he with Matthew Perry that he did? That was his final film. Uh, where they played pioneers. You could do that one. Oh God! I, 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 I feel like one. I feel like this is the right direction. You got to do the. Wait. They have to lead the film. They have to be yeah. one of the at least one of the top two build stars. Yeah. What's the Chris, uh, Jewish act? Uh, Jewish actor Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal was on SNL, right? Yeah. yeah. So we could do analyze this and analyze no. that double feature. City Slickers two. Yes, that's where I was going. Yes, yeah. <laughs> not uh, the Academy Award nominated City Slickers, but City Slickers no. two with yes. Daniel Stern. The Jake, playing the. Do you realize this is your opportunity is. to get K nine on the list and up for a legitimate vote? <laughs> Any of the K9 Oh my movies? god, that's gonna fucking win. That is gonna win, and I'm gonna be so pissed off. Hey, I'm ready for a hot take? Besides the fact that K9, the K9 movies are fun. Jim, Jim Belushi, the better Belushi brother. Oh, how dare you! I yeah. agree. I th- there, there's a great conversation to be had about that. Ooh. Maybe, maybe not on this show. I because think of longevity, I, maybe. Well, uh, obviously, the longevity's there. He didn't fucking uh, snort coke to death, but I think I actually do sure. think Jim Belushi has probably contributed more uh, uh, to to film to entertainment in a net positive manner than John Belushi. Look, you watch one documentary about John Belushi, suddenly he's God. Suddenly he's the king of comedy. No, I'm just I'm just tell me what are the, the So let let's let's just go down the list real besides, quick. Okay. Besides so according to Jim, John Belushi be... had Animal House and Blues Brothers and one memorable samurai character on SNL. Okay. That's that's yeah. strong. That's better than most. Chris Elliott has what? You know, nothing. Uh, the creepy hand guy from Scary Movie Two. Replaced, yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Paul Rubens on Everybody Loves Raymond as the creepy comic book shop. Brother. Right. Um, okay, so Jim Belushi and Jake. I mean, really, you should be the one doing this, but I'll I'll help you out here. Uh, he does have Thief. Okay, he's good in that. He's got Twin Peaks: The Return. He's good in that. I'm not even. You don't have to even go that far. I'm just looking at his IMDb right now, and he played a character in every cartoon that I watched as a child, so that enough. Jim Belushi gave me more. He, yeah. Coach Wittenberg Pink. and Hey Arnold. <clears throat> wow. Pinky okay. and the Brain, Gargoyles, Mighty Ducks, uh, Duckman. He was in Last Action Hero as, Jim, as James Belushi. <laughs> I remember him in that. Uh, yeah, Canine, Little Shops of Horror. Yeah, well, you know what? Fine. Yeah, I'll concede. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll concede. Jim. Yeah. He gets Jim. a bad rap for, I think, a kind of a crappy reason. It's really just because he's not John. Yeah. That That's really, like, yeah. And, he, and he's just kind of like, I, th- I, I think by the time he got to, like, according to Jim, it's just like, oh, he's dad funny right so no yeah so, so i get it but it's like i no. you look at the body of work and then you're like well what's his shtick you look at the body that's a big man he's big whoa. strong yeah. whoa, you look whoa. at that 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 are italian you... chicago 
bloat. Yeah. Were you All guys familiar? Were you guys familiar with the cartoon, like the Blues Brothers animated series, starting Peter Aykroyd as Peter the character that Dan Aykroyd played and Jim Belushi as Jake? Are you kidding me? What the fuck? That's no, brilliant. It's, it's, That's great. We need to watch that. They should have done that for Mark... Blues Brothers 2000 instead of bringing in John Goodman. They have oh. Mark Hamill is in the cast. Pamela Adlon is in the cast. Uh, Tanya Roberts. Tim Curry. That's a great Was this the cast. 90s? Yeah, this is from 97. Wow. That, that is okay. a great cast. That's Blame So if that and... actually makes more sense of Blues Brothers 2000, I think, where that just kind of came out of nowhere. At least there was a little bit of relevance in the culture, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, it's a Dan was one of like 20 writers in this. This sounds hilarious. I just want to hear their impressions of their brothers. Let's <laughs> see what they sound like. Yeah. Huh. J- J- uh, Jim Blue should try Peter to remember his, his, his long dead brother's voice. Yeah, who who doesn't speak at all in the movie. <laughs> <Blue's> <laughs> brother. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, um, apparently Peter Aykroyd was a writer in Saturday Night Live for one year. Uh, and if then you're a brother three... of any of the original cast, you have been gifted a, a, a role on SNL. That's the same with Bill Murray's brothers as well. Yeah, yeah, Brian. Well, look, he was in SCTV, played a character there. He was in uh, Dr. Detroit, uh, Dragnet, um, Coneheads. No, this is Peter Aykroyd. <laughs> oh. Uh, and then he wrote uh, a series called PSI Factor, Chronicles of the Paranormal, starring... Dan Aykroyd. Probably Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, starring yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Aykroyd loves all that stuff. He but it has like... But it has like... Uh, you know when they do like the re... What is that called? The re-acting of the thing? Reactless. Yes, but, well, fucking, I'm fucking stupid. Uh, and in the cover, uh, Mr. Robin from Batman and Robin is in Chris O'Donnell. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. I think that's him. Did you, you Why did you call him, him Mr. Mr. Robin? Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> slim. I mean, slim. I think you're tired, Hans. I think it's. I think this show's just gone off the way. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Um, Pluto Nash, that's another one. You could do any Randy Quaid starring film. I, the the cast Ooh. of SNL is pretty bad. Oh. You could do Iron Man. You could? Right. Yeah. The pickup artist, that could be good. You could do Going to America, which is Eddie Griffin's movie from 2013. Was, hold on. <laughs> he wasn't on SNL. He was not was on he, SNL. He no. He oh. wasn't even on In well, Living I'm... Color. Uh, I'm racist. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I don't know why I thought uh, he was. Well, I'm excited go. to make a pick now with the the broader. I was really gonna go with like Stewart saves his family or it's Pat, knowing that's like a sure yeah, loss go with... to to whoever picks Wayne <laughs> Wayne's World or uh, uh, McGruber. The yeah, the Mister Bill Bob Roberts, Jesus. All right, let's wrap up there. Austin Powers. Uh, Austin, yeah, Austin Powers, the love guru. That could be good. All right, that's been that's been movies for this week. Uh, go watch the love guru. I'm sure that's funnier now than it was when it was released. I'm sure, it's chock full of racist jokes that are hilarious. 
Oh man, I'm sure it's funny now. Fuck, I'm gonna watch. That's what that's what sucks too about this this era is shitty, very obvious movies like that are probably hilarious now. Yeah, I'm watching it. Like like Freddy got fingered. Yeah. Well, that was that was always pretty funny. All right, all right. That that's the show. Thank you for listening. Uh Bye.